Ukraine's troops in Russia allegedly massacre hundreds and leave them in mass graves. Joe Biden's CDC ends Title 42, precipitating another wave of mass illegal immigration. And the left desperately tries to pretend the right is the aggressor in our culture wars. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your online privacy today at expressvpn.com. Well, the world feels like a very chaotic and kind of unsafe place lately. This is one of the reasons I rely on Ring Alarm Pro. So Ring makes an alarm. I've told you about the Ring Video Durable like a thousand times, but they also have an alarm system. And that Ring Alarm is an award-winning home security system with available professional monitoring when you subscribe. Best of all, you can easily install it yourself. That's why I've teamed up with Ring. You probably even heard me talk about how I use Ring Alarm to protect my home. Well, now I've gone pro with Ring Alarm Pro. Ring Alarm Pro is a next-level security system. CNET calls Ring Alarm Pro a giant leap for home security. After using it, I totally agree. Ring Alarm Pro helps protect my entire home and the Wi-Fi it runs on as well. With Ring Alarm Pro, Ring combined a home security system and a Wi-Fi router. So this thing helps protect your home and your network. Now I have a secure network with a crazy strong signal for all the devices across my home. If you're anything like me, that is a lot of devices. So now when I'm out or traveling, I know everything at home is protected and connected and that it will stay that way. With a Ring Protect Pro subscription, which is an amazing deal, by the way, I get professional monitoring for the ultimate peace of mind. If anything happens, professional monitoring will call and can request emergency services. I've been using Ring Alarm Pro like for a long time here now, and that's great because God forbid somebody opens the door, they're not supposed to open the door, I'm gonna know right away. You may not have known it's true, Ring has that award-winning alarm, which is why I've teamed up with Ring, and I have that Ring Alarm Pro. To learn more, go to ring.com forward slash Ben. That's ring.com forward slash Ben. Well, the news out of Ukraine is pretty hideous. The Ukrainian forces have pushed the Russians away from Kiev. The Russians are consolidating their forces in the places they basically already controlled, Luhansk, Donetsk, as well as the Crimea region. But now there are new reports of war crimes that are emerging from the Kiev area. According to the Wall Street Journal, in Buka, Ukraine, more than 100 civilians lay buried in mass graves in the suburb of Kiev after Russian troops withdrew last week. One of several regions in which Ukrainian officials and independent rights watchdogs say they are uncovering evidence of war crimes perpetrated by occupation forces. When the Russian military forces abandoned Buka, it left streets littered with bodies of civilians. Human Rights Watch on Sunday released a report documenting instances of rape and summary executions in Russian-occupied parts of Ukraine, including Buka, as well as other alleged crimes. Now, Human Rights Watch has kind of a spotty record when it comes to what they report and what they don't report. Obviously, in the Middle East, they tend to report, for example, atrocities that didn't always occur in, for example, the Gaza Strip or Judea and Samaria. But when it comes to this sort of stuff, it has been sort of confirmed by a multiplicity of sources. Ukrainians were finding, quote, people with hands tied behind their back and decapitated. Kids were killed and tortured, according to Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky. Zelensky himself went on television in Ukraine and proceeded to curse Russian soldiers, suggesting that they were uh, and, and went after their moms as well. He says, I want you to realize that we drove the enemy out of several regions, but Russian troops still control the occupied areas of other regions. And after the expulsion of the occupiers, even worse things can be found there. Even more deaths and tortures, because this is the nature of the Russian military who came to our land. These are bastards who can't do otherwise, and they had such orders. Hey, now, the reality is that the Russian army is famous for this. I mean, you go all the way back to World War II, and when the Russians invaded from the east and took over Berlin from the east, there are widespread reports of the Red Army going in and engaging in mass rape. This sort of thing is not uncommon, unfortunately, in Russian military history. According to the Wall Street Journal, accounts of purported Russian atrocities set off an outcry from Western governments and added to the persistent pressure on the Biden administration 
and Ukrainian and European allies to do more to tighten sanctions on Russia and step up weapons transfers for Ukraine. It could make it harder for some countries to continue to justify purchasing oil and natural gas from Russia and complicate peace talks currently underway between Kiev and Moscow. Bukas mayor on Sunday put the number of bodies buried in mass graves at 118. On Saturday, the Agence France Presse had reported the municipality said the number of casualties is more than 280. So unclear what exactly those numbers are. Some of the pictures that are emerging from Buga, the Washington Post had photographers on the ground uh, are pretty stunning, not just of the, the destruction, but of bodies literally lying in the streets. Mayor Anatoly Fedorov said, quote, the amount of graves in courtyards, streets, parks, and squares will calculate in the morning more accurately. The word crime that we've been hearing lately is too mild a description of what happened here. Ukrainian Defense Ministry compared the emerging evidence of mass killings in Buka and other areas near Kiev for more than five weeks to the 1995 Srebrenica massacre in which Serb troops slaughtered more than 8,000 Bosnian Muslims. Obviously not quite of the same caliber in terms of the number, but similarly horrifying if they were apparently lining up men aged 16 to 60 and just killing them. For his part, Vladimir Zelensky then appeared at the, at the Grammys. So he didn't appear at the Oscars, and this caused a lot of consternation in Hollywood. He did appear at the Grammys last night where he gave a little speech on what's going on in Ukraine. Again, it's sort of odd that he's appearing at American cultural events like the Grammys, um, but you know, I, I suppose better than, than not. So here he was. We defend our freedom to live, to love, to sound. On our land, we are fighting Russia, which brings horrible silence with its bombs, the dead silence. Feel the silence with your music. Feel it today to tell our story. Tell the truth about the war on your social networks, on TV, support us in any way you can, any but not silence. And then peace will come. To all our cities, the war is destroying. Chernigiv, Kharkiv, Volnovakha, Mariupol, and others, they are legends already, but I have a dream of them living and free, free, like you on the dream stage. Again, and bizarre that the West's way of approaching this conflict is now to have the presidents of foreign countries in the middle of conflicts speaking at music festivals or celebrations of musical artists feeding each other. But at the same time, now obviously what he says here is, is quite correct. So the West obviously needs to respond in some form or fashion, but maybe we're responding to the wrong people. Maybe we shouldn't be responding to Russia as much as we should be looking to the next horizon with regard to China. Get to that in a moment. First, you know, 52% of dudes aged 40 to 70 experience some form of erectile dysfunction. That's a really high stat. It also means that if you've got this problem, you shouldn't be embarrassed about it. You should just go get it solved. And here's the thing. You can do it quickly and discreetly by talking to the folks over at GetRoman.com slash Ben. You can speak to a U.S. licensed healthcare professional about ED. Get 15 bucks off your very first month of treatment. The benefits of ED treatment can help you reconnect with your partner. You need the assurance of knowing your biology is working the way it is supposed to. And here is the thing. Roman system is completely confidential, totally discreet. No big logos, no labels on the packages with Roman. You get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it'll ship to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, convenient, and discreet. Getting started is super simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash Ben. Complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today. Connect with a U.S. licensed healthcare professional and go get the problem taken care of today. Go to GetRoman.com slash Ben today. If you're prescribed, get 15 bucks off your very first month of ED treatment. Make sure you're ready to have the confidence and control you need this season. Roman ready. Now, the drive here is going to be by the West toward you know, further action. The question is what further action the West can actually bring to bear at this point. When deterrence fails, there's not all that much that you can do other than continuing to arm the Ukrainians, which, again, Joe Biden has been pushed into 
He's had to be dragged by Congress, basically, and by the Europeans into greater funding and greater weaponry for the Ukrainian military. The Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, he was on national television yesterday, and he said the latest images are a punch to the gut, but he didn't really commit to any particular further action. You, you can't help but uh, uh, see these images as a, uh, a punch to the gut. Again, the way that this should be seen by the United States is as an encouragement to further strengthening the military. The budget that was presented by the Biden administration actually, after inflation, does not grow the military in any real significant way. The Navy continues to be cut by the Biden administration. We're going to have fewer ships that are actually available for combat duty under Joe Biden than we did even a couple of years ago. Meanwhile, according to the Washington Post, Biden administration officials have discussed intensifying their sanctions campaign against Russia as evidence emerges of the apparent execution of civilians in that suburb near Kiev. The scope of the potential U.S. retaliatory measures was not exactly clear. Senior Biden officials have previously discussed potentially devastating secondary sanctions that would target countries that continue to trade with Russia. So the idea would be going after presumably countries like China. Now, the reality is that we should be going after countries like China. We should putting, be putting screws to countries like China, as we'll discuss in just one moment. China is actually extremely economically vulnerable. All the talk about how China is approaching the United States in terms of its economic power, that's just a lie. China has a billion and a half people. And that means that if you add up all their per capita GDP, that's a very large GDP. But on a per capita basis, their GDP is like $10,000 a person, whereas the GDP per capita in the United States is in excess of 50, somewhere between fifty dollars and $60,000 a person. So the United States economy is far above the Chinese economy in terms of its ability to punch. And as we'll discuss in just a moment, the Chinese strategy toward the economy has been failing because the more they continue to bog themselves down in Maoist era autarky struggles, the more they are going to undermine their own economy. So that sort of vulnerability is something that the West should actually be taking advantage of right now. We should be cutting our regulations. We should be cutting our taxes. We should be increasing our oil drilling. If you're going to fight bad guys on the world stage, you need to be strong. And right now, the Biden administration is not taking the measures necessary to strengthen ourselves for the fight that is to come, not just with Russia, but with China as well. Further sanctions on the Russian economy directly are really not going to do anything at this point. It's not about Ukraine anymore on the global stage. It is about the next battle. It's about making sure that Ukraine can hold off Russia. Ukraine is going to hold off Russia at this point. The only question is what Russia is able to gain in terms of saving face. But the real battle, the next battle, is going to be between China and, and the West. And Russia obviously used as sort of a proxy for China. What this conflict has done is it's driven Russia and China closer together. It's also created tremendous incentive for China to buy up Russian assets on the cheap. So now is a good time. If we're, if we're really going to take our enemy seriously, now is a great time to essentially cut the Achilles tendons of our enemies. And we should be doing that right now. According to the Washington Post, the Biden administration could impose sanctions on sectors of the Russian economy it has not hit so far, including mining, transportation, and additional areas of the Russian financial sector. The world continues to buy billions of dollars worth of Russian oil and gas, giving the Kremlin a direct financial lifeline. Officials stressed planning was preliminary. No decisions had been made about potential responses. Secretary of State Antony Blinken told CNN on Sunday, the United States and its European partners are cons considering new sanctions to impose on Russia every single day. He stressed that the measures so far are already projected to cause Russia's economy to contract by 10% this year, but condemned Russia's brutality, said more measures are likely to be necessary. Now, the reality is you can only contract Russia's economy so far and expect that it's going to have any impact. The Russian economy was extraordinarily weak going into this entire conflict. Again, the entire Russian GDP is about the size of the state of Florida. So that is for a country that is considered a world superpower. It is not a global superpower, economically speaking. China still is. And that's why, again, we should be focusing and refocusing from the Russian conflict where the Ukrainians have performed heroically and staved off the complete Russian takeover of the country, which would have been disastrous. 
And we should be really putting focus on building up our Navy to defend Taiwan, making sure that Taiwan has what it needs, making sure that we start to reshift resources away from China, create better trading partnerships with all of the countries that ring China, places like Japan, places like South Korea, places like Vietnam. All of those areas are places that we should be cutting trade agreements and we should be trying to encircle China and undermine their economy. We should not be falling into the media's stupid trap of basically suggesting we need to get directly involved in Ukraine. Now, that, is a, that is a waste of time and a fool's errand. So naturally, MSNBC's Ali Velshi is saying exactly that. He, was, he saw, obviously, that you see these horrific sights and the natural impulse is we should get directly involved. But that's kind of what Putin actually wants at this point is for NATO to get directly involved because that would justify, obviously, him ratcheting things up in a pretty dramatic way and being able to go to China. And then you're really looking at the possibility of World War III. Nonetheless, here's Ali Velshi in Ukraine. You understand the passion. I, I get it. But the grand geostrategic impulse here to get NATO directly involved in military action where NATO jets and Russian jets are going at it is a very dangerous one considering that Russia has thousands of nuclear missiles online. Me saying that the West needs to do more or NATO needs to do more and we have to look at the fact that civilians are being killed in their atrocities sometimes rings hollow. But you saying it is different because what I say involves actual danger to people, it involves danger to NATO soldiers and pilots and uh, and American Marines and, and, and naval officers. So Okay, what should we actually be doing? What we actually should be doing is refocusing in, as I keep saying over and over and over, on China. Because Russia, it looks like, has failed here. And no matter what happens from here on in, Russia has not made any real strategic gains. They've been able to consolidate power in some of the areas where they already had large amounts of power. They may have been able to consolidate some more oil resources. But again, this is all stuff the West can fight if the West takes off the shackles. The West has been shackling itself. The West is fighting with one hand behind its back. We've been fighting our own environmental regulations. We have idiots like like the Biden administration, suggesting that the way out of this is electric cars. Now, the way out of this is you pump until you break the enemy and you, you grow your economy until you break the enemy. You strengthen yourself. I I've never seen, and really, we are a civilization in decline if we don't understand you have to take the shackles off when you are in a geostrategic fight with enemies the size of Russia and China. So China is actually in quite a lot of trouble here, which is something not a lot of people know. Now, speaking of things that you may not have known about, there is a podcast that you should give a listen to. It is the Jordan Harbinger Show. We here at The Daily Wire really enjoy listening to The Jordan Harbinger Show. It features in-depth interviews with some of the world's most fascinating people, ranging from Neil deGrasse Tyson to Kobe Bryant, diving so much deeper than any other interview with these folks. It's clear that Jordan really goes to the weeds preparing for these interviews. There are a lot of interview-style podcasts that kind of gloss over the surface. Not so with Jordan Harbinger. Every Friday, Jordan also releases a Feedback Friday episode to respond to listener questions covering everything from conventional problems like leaving a dream job to heavy subjects like helping someone escape in abusive relationships. I love his interview with Yanmi Park. Right? She, she does an amazing job of elucidating the similarities and differences between the United States and North Korea. Plus, listening to Jordan, it goes great with listening to this show. You're already doing that. So why not give it a shot? Even though I don't always agree with Jordan, you'll always learn something new. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you are listening right now. Again, that's The Jordan Harbinger Show. Go give it a chance. Fascinating article in The Wall Street Journal today titled Xi Jinping's Common Prosperity Was Everywhere, But China Backed Off. Quote, China's apparent retreat from one of its most important policy initiatives is showing how hard it is to remake the country's economy and reduce inequality nearly a decade into Xi Jinping's rule. For most of last year, Xi trumpeted a signature program known as Common Prosperity, 
aimed at redistributing more of China's wealth amid concerns that elites had benefited disproportionately from the country's economic boom. The program underpinned many of Xi's policy drives, including a clampdown on technology companies that were seen as exploiting their market power to boost profits. But while some aspects of the tech crackdown continue, other parts of the program have fizzled as China shifts its priorities towards shoring up slowing growth. So in other words, what Xi did is there had been this kind of 20-year period where China had let up on the communism to the extent that they'd engaged in essentially mercantilism, state-sponsored capitalistic enterprise. They would sponsor a company. Those companies sponsored by the state would engage in profit-driven activities. That raised a lot of people in China out of abject poverty. But this also led to, quote-unquote, income inequality, because it turns out that when everybody is poor, income is relatively equal. When you start growing your economy, you start, it start, you start to see that via income inequality. She didn't like that. So she wanted to crack down on the free trade orientation of some of these mercantilist companies. And so he started to go more communist. He started to revert back to sort of Maoist autarky, autarky being the nationalistic policy that you're going to produce everything in-house and make yourself completely independent of all other world influences, economically speaking. The problem with autarky is it's complete failure. When you try to cut yourself off from the world, you end up impoverishing your own citizens and undermining your own economy. So now she is seeing this. So Xi's entire economic program has been flipped on its head. He tried to embrace the more communistic vision. And when he did that, his economy started to slow, as you would imagine, because communism fails literally everywhere that it's tried. According to the Wall Street Journal last year, the phrase common prosperity seemed to be everywhere in state media, schools, speeches by Xi and others. A historic resolution passed during Communist Party meetings in the fall, which put him on equal footing with Mao Zedong, used the phrase eight times. This year, it turned up just once in a 17,000-word government work report on the economy delivered by Premier Li Keqiang in March. The finance ministry's latest budget report didn't spell out specific targets for the central government to allocate resources to the campaign. In Xixing province, which was designated as the primary testing ground for the program, new economic plans make little mention of policies that could put more money in the pockets of less affluent households. In other words, they said, we can't do redistributionism anymore. We're going to need to continue to grow our economy. Beijing has now walked back some of the measures related to the campaign. The government last month shelved plans to expand a new property tax that could have funded social welfare programs, but faced opposition from elites and policymakers who worried it would push property values lower. Trial runs of the tax currently apply only in Shanghai and Chongqing. The finance ministry cited unripe conditions for expanding it without elaborating it. Part of the reason common prosperity is fading is the policies enacted spooked business owners and slow growth when Xi needs China's economy to stay robust. He is preparing for political meetings expected to return him for a third term in power later this year. But economists and scholars say it's also becoming clearer that common prosperity goals cannot be met without more drastic and potentially painful changes Xi does not be, appear willing to countenance. This includes overhauls in China's taxation and social welfare systems. China's tax system, uh, tax system is actually less progressive than developed countries. This is why whenever you hear people on the left talk about how America's tax system, is the rich don't pay their fair share, the rich in the United States pay way more than their fair share. In China, the poor pay a lot of the taxes. The burdens fall mostly on lower income workers, according to the Wall Street Journal in China. Raising tax rates on the upper class, who tend to be more politically connected, has faced resistance. More fundamentally, economists say, China's tax system doesn't raise enough money to fund education, health, and other services at levels implied by Xi's common prosperity agenda, a problem that has led to pressure private companies and tycoons to redistribute money. Personal income taxes in China. This is an unbelievable statistic. You ready for this? Personal income taxes in China add up to 1.2% of GDP compared with 10% in the U.S. and U.K. Revenue from social security contributions at 6.5% of GDP is actually lower than the 9% average among members of the OECD. So in other words, if they want to spend more money and redistribute more, they actually need to raise their taxes on their rich people. And the communists are like, we can't do that because if we do that, it's going to collapse our economy. <laughs> Which means 
that this debt-fueled economy, people don't like to talk about the fact that China's economy is debt-fueled. It is. China has enormous amounts of debt. They've taken out debt to build empty cities in the middle of nowhere. They've done it to sponsor those magical bullet trains that nobody seems to care about outside of the West. China's economy, if, if we start to cut off China, it would cause some economic pain in the West. But it's either some short-term pain for some long-term gain, or we're going to continue to fund the prosperity of an enemy that is ardently opposed to us. Again, in all of their military documents, they're very clear what their ambitions are. They want, they, they have regional ambitions, and those regional ambitions include not only the takeover of Taiwan, but also rivaling the United States on the world stage. This has been their long-term goal. Right now is an excellent opportunity for the U.S. to muscle up. It's a great opportunity. In the aftermath of the Wuhan virus that was unleashed on the globe and that basically destroyed supply chains, leading to massive inflation all across the globe, now is an excellent time to reshore a bunch of the resources in China. It's time for the West to consolidate. It's time for the West to get stronger. Now is actually an opportunity, if the people in the West are, are smart enough to see it, not the morons that they currently run the show, apparently. Again, China is in serious trouble. The data show wealth inequality has widened. Social mobility has stalled since China's economy began opening to the outside world. Trends Mr. Xi views as threats to the party's continued rule. In 2021, the wealthiest 10% of people in China owed 68% of total household wealth, according to the World Inequality Lab. Signaling his attention to the problem, Xi told officials in January, carrying out a common prosperity initiative couldn't wait. In other words, what we should be doing is we should be forcing them deeper into the communism that they apparently so ardently wish to embrace. Some economists say China could revive common prosperity after the party congress this fall if growth rebounds strongly. But there's no reason we should allow their growth to rebound strongly. We should be seeing them as the enemy that they are. And the fact that the West continues to play footsie with China because we like our cheap products. Again, I'm not arguing against cheap products. I'm very much in favor of free trade when it's not a national security threat. China is a national security threat. They've been stealing our intellectual property. Every new product they've developed is stolen intellectual property from the West. They've engaged in aggressive moves against the West in Africa, Southeast Asia. They've engaged in this Belt and Road Initiative that is intended to turn countries away from America's influence. And they've sided with countries like Russia in Russia's territorial ambitions as an attempt to draw the West into conflict with Russia to distract them from conflict with regard to China. So now is a great time for the West to man up. It's time for the West to start pumping oil again. It is time for the West to relieve its economic regulations. It's time for the West to allow for economic growth. It's time for the West to, again, become robust because a robust West is the way that China and Russia lose. It also happens to be good policy. But the question is whether the Biden administration sees that. And the answer, of course, is typically not. The Biden administration, as always, is focused in on whatever pleases the left flank, ranging from environmental regulations, we can't drill, we have to force you to buy electric cars, to making sure that kids believe that boys are girls and, and girls are boys. They're not focused in on the issues that matter. Again, there's nothing more shocking right now than the fact that the Biden administration, in its budget, is cutting Navy ships. In the middle of this, they're cutting Navy. That, that's an unbelievable thing. Not only cutting Navy ships, by the way, but apparently opening the border. Well, the Biden administration, instead of preparing strength to meet strength, seems to be weakening the homeland. Now, speaking of your home, you need to make sure that the light comes into your home in ways that make home pleasant. When you look around your house, you think about redecorating, it costs a lot of money. But there's one way you can redecorate. It's not going to cost you a fortune, and it's going to completely change the look and feel of your home. That is, of course, your window coverings. You need to check out blinds.com. Make blinds.com your first choice for high-quality window coverings that are perfect for any size window, color, and look you have in mind. There's no guesswork. No hassle with multiple trips to a store or trying to meet up with a contractor or interior designer to consult you is really just going to try to upsell you and make you spend a lot of money. 
All the window treatments from Blinds.com come at a great price. They are easy to install. You can handle the measure and install yourself, or you can have Blinds.com take care of it with local pros. It's all very easy with Blinds.com. Get any size or color of cellular shades, faux wood blinds, any other style you have in mind. Simply see your vision come to life. Blinds.com, they're the experts you want to use. They've got 25 million windows covered already. You should be the next windows they cover. Shop Blinds.com now through April 5th. Save up to 40% off site-wide. When you check out online, don't forget to tell them you heard about Blinds.com from the Ben Shapiro Show. Rules and restrictions may apply. Plus, you can pay over time with PayPal credit at Blinds.com. PayPal credit is subject to credit approval. Visit Blinds.com slash PayPal for details and to get started. This, is, this administration is apparently dedicated to the weakening of the United States. There's no other way to explain the kind of policies they are pursuing. They're incredibly wrongheaded or they actually wish to weaken the United States. How else to explain the fact that the CDC, this administration argued just a few months ago, that the CDC had the power to declare all evictions in the United States over. There would be no more evictions in the United States via the CDC. Now the CDC is attempting to remove a public health order that restricts illegal immigration. So we're about to see this massive influx of illegal immigration. According to CNN, the Department of Homeland Security is now bracing for a massive border wave. Up to 18,000 people a day arriving on America's southern border. Hundreds of thousands of people every single month, thanks to this insane move by the CDC with nothing to replace it from the Biden administration. The CDC says the Biden administration will end a Trump-era pandemic restriction next month that's blocked migrants from entering the U.S. Now the Department of Homeland Security says it's bracing for a record number of crossings, as many as 18,000 per day. 18,000 per day. Meanwhile, Tony Blinken, he's like, you know what? This is just the science. The science is that we can't prevent people from coming into the country with by, by claiming that they have COVID. Oh, really? So... Let's just get this straight. You guys are still, you still have Anthony Fauci out there suggesting we might all have to mask up at a moment's notice. But the CDC is saying that we have to allow illegal immigrants to simply swamp the border because they're no longer a COVID threat. Fascinating. Does the administration see an influx of migrants as a, as a problem? And can you guarantee that they will be treated humanely? Well, Donna, first, when it comes to Title 42, all along we've been following the science. That's what this is about. So when uh, the, the CDC and others... Uh, conclude that the science doesn't uh, doesn't warrant that, uh, as is now happening, uh, then we'll, we'll we'll take action. The CDC has always been political. It's not been about the science this entire pandemic. They were saying that you had to mask up two-year-olds until five seconds ago. They may still be saying you should mask up two-year-olds. I started ignoring them months ago when they, when they started parroting obviously anti-scientific nonsense with regard to COVID. When I have the New York Times saying that the CDC announced on Friday it would lift an emergency public health order that had restricted immigration at U.S. land borders since the beginning of the pandemic. Federal officials expect the policy change, which will go into effect May 23rd, to draw thousands more migrants to the southwestern border every single day, in addition to the already high number of people who have been arriving over the past year from Latin America and across the globe. Republicans immediately condemned the CDC's decision. The order has been used to expel migrants about 1.7 million times over the past two years. But again, if you calculate this thing out, 18,000 people arriving per day. You're talking about over five, if that kept up for a year, which it wouldn't, but if it kept up for even six months, even if it, if it kept up for 150 days, 18,000 people per day, you're talking 2.7 million people arriving at the border, not over the course of two years, in six months. Rochelle Walensky says, I hereby determine that the danger of further introduction, transmission, or spread of COVID-19 into the United States from covered non-citizens, as defined in the August order, has ceased to be a serious danger to public health. Again, I'm not blaming solely the CDC here. 
Although, again, I'm, I'm going to point out that the CDC was apparently fine with people simply admitting illegal immigrants and then releasing them into the interior of the United States without COVID testing them for months on end. It really shouldn't be up to the CDC. But the fact that this federal government has been willing to use any three or four letter agency in order to achieve whatever policy purpose it wants, ranging from eviction moratoria to forcing you to vaccinate your workers. But now, suddenly, they're going to follow the science and open the borders. I find that highly suspicious. The order known as Title 42 gives officials the authority to turn away migrants at the border, including people seeking asylum. The process usually takes about 15 minutes, as opposed to having to take people in and house them and then ship them to the interior of the United States while you await them showing back up at court, which they only show up in court a certain percentage of the time, but not all the time. And then they never show up for the second round of hearings. The agency had been under growing pressure from Democratic lawmakers, including Senator Chuck Schumer of New York, to not only end the rule, but provide justification for why it was necessary. That, that's incredible that the Biden administration, under pressure from Chuck Schumer of New York, is simply getting rid of this particular order. To, I mean, this is going to allow hundreds of thousands of people illegally into the United States. That is where we are. The White House and Department of Homeland Security have deflected questions about the policy in recent months to the CDC, which said little about its rationale for extending the order. Unlike with other public health measures put in place during the pandemic, the CDC never publicly disclosed scientific data that showed that undocumented migrants crossing the border were a major vector for COVID. But they never showed that for anything. They never showed it for airplanes. They never showed it for schools. Again, what I'm calling out here is the CDC double standard. They are perfectly willing to do whatever they want with regard to American citizens. But now they're going to cite the science in reopening America's southern border to illegal immigrants. You have to imagine at this point that that's politically driven, not scientifically driven. Okay, meanwhile, the left's continued priority remains on making sure that you believe that your little boys can be little girls and your little girls can be little boys. And more importantly, that your little boys are told they can be little girls and vice versa at school without your parental permission. It it remains insane to me that this is what Democrats are going to run on. Open borders, weakening our military. And little boys should be little girls. That is an insane platform for them to run on. But they are so in their echo chamber, man. It is crazy. Because every poll, every single one that shows, that, that, that asks people what they think of, for example, the Florida, quote unquote, don't say gay law, which again, that was it. It was a term coined by activists of the left. That is not what the bill says. And when people are read the text of the bill, a majority of Democrats agree with the bill. According to the Wall Street Journal, according to a poll from Public Opinion Strategies, When Americans are presented with the actual language of the new Florida law, it wins support by more than a two to one margin. 61% of people say they support the Florida law, only 26% opposed. Democratic voters in the poll poll support the law 55% to 29%. 55% to 29%. Among suburban voters, 60 to 30. Parents, 67 to 24. Biden voters, 53 to 30. Respondents who know somebody who is LGBTQ, which, by the way, at this point in American life is pretty much everybody, 61 to 28. So the woke progressives who run the media and who are now mirrored in the Biden administration because there's been a mind meld, sort of Star Trek mind meld between the media and and Democratic politicians, they've convinced themselves that if they just say, don't say gay over and over and over, people will suddenly support their agenda. Wrong. Your agenda is garbage. And one of the things that, that the left has now been doing, and they've been doing this for quite a while, is they've been reversing the polarity. So the idea is, that people who resist their predations are the aggressors in the culture war. There was one Chiron that really said this also. Over the weekend, CNN hosted Brian Stelter, the most reliable of all reliable sources. He hosted Charlotte Clymer, who is a man who believes he is a woman. Charlotte Clymer is a columnist for the Washington Post and declared that he was transgender in 2017. 
So this is a man who's had some hormone treatments and is wearing women's clothing and makeup. May suffer from gender dysphoria, may not, may just identify as a woman, whatever it is. Okay, there is no question that the left is the aggressor in the culture wars. The way that you know that the left is the aggressor in the culture wars is if you look at the platform from 2008 for the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party was in favor of traditional marriage. Barack Obama in 2008, that was just 14 years ago, was in favor of traditional marriage. The mere thought that you would be teaching boys and girls in public schools that they can be members of the opposite sex would have been considered insane by everyone, up to and including Joe Biden and Barack Obama in 2008. Everyone would have thought this was insane. But here is the Chiron from CNN, quote, LGBTQ community, latest to be caught in culture war. Oh, really? Were, were they caught in the culture war, were they? Is that what happened here? Or was it that LGBTQ activists initiated the culture war? They initiated the culture war. There hasn't been a move from the right in the culture war on this stuff for decades. I mean, every move that has been made here has been a move to the progressive left. We went from sodomy was illegal in most states to sodomy is not illegal to sodomy is, is now protected by the Constitution of the United States to same-sex marriage is protected by the Constitution of the United States to men can be women. That's been the move. Over the course of time, has a single move there been an aggressive move by the right wing culture warriors? But the left has to re they have to recapitulate this entire culture war battle as moves by the right. Because when people notice that the aggressors in the culture war are, in fact, people who are calling for mass standards to be changed on behalf of their own egos, essentially, then people start to resist. And particularly when you, are, when you are requiring that you be able to shape my children so that you feel better about yourself, that's when parents stand up and they're like, no, we're not going to do any of this. So the left has to, again, reshape this as though they are the victims in the culture war. They are not the victims in the culture war. They are the aggressors in the culture war. And so they're getting more and more perverse in the way they are depicting the culture war. There's a column, there was a, a, a cartoon in the Washington Post from syndicated, from staff artist Michael Adder. This is an insane cartoon. It is a cartoon of Ron DeSantis carrying a basket of apples like he's the witch in, in Snow White because he's talking to Snow White and Mickey Mouse. And in the basket are apparently poisoned apples that say, don't say gay. And he says, I'm protecting Florida's children from you. And in the background, there are literally dead kids. Dead kids, who, by the way, are clearly modeled. You can see in the photos, they are modeled clearly after a photo of a Syrian refugee child who drowned several years ago. This is in 2015. So the idea is that Ron DeSantis is killing trans kids. Okay, no, no. Saying that you can't indoctrinate small children into gender confusion is not killing trans kids, as it turns out. In fact, the threat to the children is coming from the left because the left is the culture war aggressor. Confusing small children about gender and sexual identity at the age of five, six, seven years old. That's you guys being the wicked witch and selling poisoned apples to children. You're the aggressors in the culture wars, but the idea is that, that everyone who opposes it is the aggressor in the culture war. And I have to say, it is incredible to me. By the way, you know who knows that, that the left is the aggressor, the true left, the far left is the aggressor in the culture war? Even members of the, the lesbian and gay community are beginning to say, hold up a second. Hold up a second. Now, this whole kind of mashup LGBTQIA plus minus divided by sign tilde carrot sign percentage sign ampersand. People who are lesbian and gay who started this movement by saying we just wish to be able to live our lives and do what we want to do in the privacy of our own bedrooms. And most people are like, OK, lesbian and gay people 
even they were getting to look around and say, wait, hold, hold up a second. How did all of these people get to ride along in the car? And Dave Chappelle did a whole comedy bit about this, and he is correct. A lot of lesbians and gays are looking around going, wait, how did this guy who thinks he's a girl get in the back of the car? How does this person who identifies as asexual end up as part of our coalition? And I'm confused as to how you, your self-identification as a member of a victimized group when you are not a member of a victimized group sort of happened here. A very telling tweet from Josh Barrow, who's a gay man. He, uh, he has written for a wide variety of sources. Josh Barrow, he is definitely a person of the left. And he tweeted out a graphic the other day uh, of the, this, this sort of bizarre spectrum, okay, the ace spectrum. And he said, the last people whose interest this serves are gays and lesbians. A new nonsense identity invented every week, demanding a share of our political capital. And he shows a graphic of the various types of sexual identity that are now being identified as LGBTQIA plus minus colon semicolon quotation mark backslash. The ace spectrum, asexual, no sexual attraction is experienced. Flag used for this identity and to represent ace umbrella. Demisexual may experience sexual attraction only once a deep emotional bond occurs, which is also just called being a woman. Gray sexual experiences sexual attraction rarely and or weekly and or ambiguously. And don't worry, guys, April 6th, prepare for it. Just a couple of days from now, I know you're all excited, is International Asexual Day, where we all just stand around and look bewildered at one another. There are some more ace identities, like ace flux, an orientation which fluctuates across the ace spectrum. That's fun. That one just kind of like it moves in and out. It's, it's, you never know what it is. The quoisexual, that is spelled Q-U-O-I. I'm learning new things just from this chart. Unsure whether you experience sexual attraction. Unsure. Quoisexual. Cade-sexual. C-A-E-D. So we're just making up not only words, but prefixes. Previously allosexual, now asexual due to past trauma is getting extremely specific. Phrasexual, opposite of demi. Attraction dissipates once a bond occurs. So this is just called horny men, phrasexual. Egosexual, spelled A-E-G-O. A disconnection is felt toward the subject of arousal. I like that these all have flags. This is interesting. And autosexual, sexual attraction is primarily an exclusive exclusively felt toward oneself, which I think describes a huge number of people who um, are so egotistically narcissistic that all they do is this masturbatory self-identification nonsense. Autosexual. Well, as Woody Allen says, at least it's sex with someone you love. So so Josh Barrow, who's a gay man, he's like, what is this? Like, again, everyone of reasonable bent is now looking at the predations of the left and they're going, what are you doing? What are you doing? The aggressors in the culture war are clearly members of the left. So this means that the left now has to recapitulate all of this and pretend that the right is the aggressor. Well, since the culture is completely under assault, you might need some comfort food. And let me tell you about the best comfort food I may have ever had. I am talking about the greatest steak, my Good Ranchers steak. So if you flew to Nashville a while ago, you might have been on a plane with a Daily Wire VIP. I'm talking about the steak they made just for me from Good Ranchers. Yes, they actually flew in a kosher ribeye for me to enjoy at our Daily Wire grill out. This steak was just unbelievable. It's like a piece of art you could eat. They told me about something called the spinalis or the rib cap of the steak, which I didn't fully understand, but I definitely enjoyed it. It was delicious. It wasn't just me. The entire team here loved every bit of steak and burgers we got from Good Ranchers. And in fact, now nobody will shut up about this. They keep asking about it over and over again. They've been spoiled by the steakhouse quality of Good Ranchers. Fortunately for you, you do not have to wait for your next Good Ranchers Grill out like the DW staff will. You can head over to GoodRanchers.com slash Ben. Get 30 bucks off your box of beef, 
chicken or seafood and enjoy it right away. I personally recommend a box of the ribeyes. Let me just tell you, that is one of the best steaks I have ever had in my entire life. And it was grilled right in front of me. 85% of grass-fed beef is imported from overseas. Skip the cheap imported meat. Head on over to goodranchers.com slash Ben or use code Ben at checkout to save 30 bucks on American meat delivered to your door by Good Ranchers. We'll get to more in just one second. First, you may have heard about these leaked Disney LGBT agenda tapes last week. It's just unbelievable, right? We've been talking about it a lot on the show. We have these Disney, high-ranking Disney executives and employees openly saying that they wish to insert a not-at-all-secret gay agenda into the stuff that your five-year-old is watching. This is what they want to do. Well, the Daily Wire has now decided to respond. That is correct. Daily Wire had a town hall meeting where our co-CEO, God King Jeremy Boring, announced we would be dropping 100 million bucks into investing in Daily Wire kids. We are going to bring you kids' content that you can feel safe putting in front of your kids. It's going to reflect your values, not the woke crap values of the left. We've already been producing this stuff up. We just announced it last week. We're hiring the VeggieTales writers to help create our first two children's show. Chilla Time, about a family of homeschooled chinchillas, and Doodles with Noodles, which centers on a man and his puppet giving drawing lessons. We have a bunch of great kids programming coming for you. So over the next three years, as we announced, we're committed to investing 100 million bucks into kids' entertainment. But here's the thing, that costs a lot of money and we need your help. We have to show that the same willingness that we've all had, including me, to subscribe to Disney Plus applies to content that is not going to indoctrinate your kids into the idea that little boys can be little girls and that all forms of sexual activity are equally moral. In order to change the culture, we have to make the culture and that costs money. So I'm making an open appeal to you. We need your help right now. Head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code buildthefuture for 45% off your membership. We're not asking for a donation. We just want you to become a member we want you to head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe right now. Use code buildthefuture. You get 45% off your membership. You're already thinking about getting a membership. You get all the great stuff that's behind our paywall. Plus, you are helping us build institutions that are going to protect your kids and kids like them. You are listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. So again, the, the goal of the left here is to treat Everything that they do as a response to something on the right, which is, of course, quite insane. But when you see it through their, their view, you actually see what they're doing with kids. So the idea is that if you don't teach kids, if you don't indoctrinate kids about LGBTQ identity, if you don't indoctrinate kids and the idea that men can be women, women can be men, and that boys have two daddies and all of this kind of stuff, if you don't indoctrinate kids, all you're doing is you're leaving it to the right to indoctrinate their own kids. And you can't allow the right to indoctrinate their own kids. You can't allow culture to indoctrinate kids in the baseline belief that all of human reproduction relies on men and women having babies. You, you're not allowed to, you can't leave it to them. See, people are being indoctrinated in the systems of the past, in the evil systems of the past. And so we have to rip away the kids and we have to re-indoctrinate them in order to even the score. And that, that, that is what the left is basically saying right now. That is their case. Well, all of this sort of culminated for us here at The Daily Wire in us saying, so you'll recall that last week, Disney announced that they had a bunch of woke executives and employees get out there and suggest, again, that it was a great and grand idea to sexually indoctrinate children. That we are going to, again, this is one of their producers, insert a not at all secret gay agenda in children's programming. And we at The Daily Wire were like, fine, if you're going to do that, we'll produce some, some content that you guys can, can you as parents, you're not going to have to pre-screen. Right? Stuff that makes you feel safe leaving your kids in front of the TV. And this prompted, of course, SNL to make fun of us. So first of all, thanks for the compliment, SNL. Second of all, I don't know who does the writing over at SNL, but um, uh, they need better writers. So here was SNL trying to go after us here at The Daily Wire for pointing out 
that you should actually be able to watch children's television without learning that cartoon animals are demisexual. The conservative media organization, The Daily Wire, said they'll spend $100 million to create children's programming to counter woke media companies. Programs will include Clifford the Big Straight Dog, <laughs> Encanto, but in English, <laughs> and One Fish, Two Fish, That's How Many Fish Genders There Are. Okay, so to be frank, honestly, I would 100% create a book called One Fish, Two Fish, That's How Many Fish Genders There Are. <laughs> that, we, we would do that here at Daily Wire, probably. As far as Clifford the Big Straight Dog, the only reason that we would produce Clifford the Big Straight Dog is because you guys insist on reading kindergartners. Heather has two mommies. Again, we don't want to produce any of those things. We would just like, like Clifford can remain the big red dog that he is, a non-sexual being, which is fine for small children, who again, are non-sexual beings. But the, the left has to declare that we are the bad guys. We're the bad guys for suggesting that maybe kids should just read books that aren't about where people wish to rub their genitals. It is an amazing, amazing thing. And some people on the left are so are so mad about the fact that people on the right are responding to all of this that they are now calling on major corporations to do their work for them. It demonstrates again that when it comes to the left and their supposed populism, they're not populist at all. They don't care about the little guy. They're fine with using the top echelons of our institutional culture in order to cram down their perverse point of view on life. They are imperialists. They are cultural imperialists. They wish to have the top levels of American society, the biggest corporations, the most powerful government agencies cram down what they want on you. I've said for a long time, conservatism has to be built round up. It's those little platoons, right? What Edmund Burke called the little platoons, families with family values, which build into communities, which share those values, which build into local communities, which share those values, which eventually build into national communities, which don't share the same sort of values that families do, but share some baseline values with other people across the country. That is how you build a society. What the left does is they impose their viewpoint top down. They crush the little platoons. They crush local communities and states and families. That is their goal. They have to break all bonds. So if they have to use Disney to do that, they will. So all these people who say they hate corporations, they are perfectly happy to use those corporations to get involved in politics so long as the corporations mirror their point of view. So you have Jamel Bowie, who hates corporations, right? He's a Jamel Bowie is a, economically speaking, he's much closer to a socialist. He says, he says, Disney could, somebody tweeted, Disney could destroy DeSantis and everybody down to precinct captain. Okay, first of all, try it. Like seriously, anybody who wants, to, anybody who thinks that Disney can break the Republican party in the state of Florida, you just try it. Seriously. And Jamel Bowie says, I've been thinking about this as well. The mouse is powerful enough. It could want regime change in, in Florida. It could probably get it. No, it most certainly could not. And most certainly could not. But second of all, I'm just going to point out that all of these people have left suddenly calling for the intervention of woke companies in American politics. Same people like Koch brothers, evil. Elon Musk, super bad. What, but Disney, can you come save us? Please save us, Disney. Also worth pointing out here, weak-kneed Republicans need not apply for leadership in the Republican Party anymore. So the, the new favorite in the, in the media is Larry Hogan, the Maryland governor, who, of course, is socially left because he's the governor of Maryland. You wouldn't expect anything different. So Larry Hogan is on national TV and he's going to be the good Republican for the next five minutes. If he would actually win the nomination, he would become bad Republican because they can't allow a Republican to get elected president or anything. So Governor Larry Hogan will be brought out as the sort of good Republican foil, the way that it used to be like John Huntsman or before that it was John McCain until McCain won the nomination, at which point he became an evil, evil man. So there is this breed in the, in the sort of beltway circles who thinks that avoiding the culture wars is the way you win. That's such nonsense. The culture wars are the way you win, not avoiding them engaging in them. This is the amazing thing about the Trump phenomenon. There's so many people who tried to intellectualize Trump. 
Trump was just a giant screw you to people who wish to indoctrinate your children in critical race theory and gender studies. That was the basic idea of Trump. They're a bunch of elites. They wish to control your life. They hate you. They think you're an ignoramus. They think, according to Barack Obama, you're a bitter clinger who goes to church. That's it. And, and Donald Trump's like, I don't hate you guys. And people are like, sounds good to me. Well, here's Larry Hogan saying it's really, well, I don't even understand why there is a Florida bill to prevent sexual indoctrination of children. Yeah, Larry Hogan, you know, take a hike. No, no one wants to hear you. DeSantis is always talking about, uh, you know, he was not not demanding that businesses do things, but he was, you know, telling the cruise lines what they had to do. He was telling local schools what they're mandating. And now he's he wants to criticize Disney for expressing, you know, how they feel about that, uh, that bill. I mean, they have every right to it. We have a thing called freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they can they can come out and say what they think. I think the, the bill was kind of absurd uh, and uh, not something that would have happened in our state. That's right. It wouldn't have happened in your state, which is why you're not a national candidate. And you can go away. And really, I've been sympathetic to Larry Hogan and some of the ways he's approached issues in Maryland. But if this is the battle inside the Republican Party between people who wish to protect children and people who think it's a nonsense issue and we need to focus on tax rates, take a hike. Seriously, take a hike. I care about tax rates, too. I'm the most free market guy on the right, probably. That doesn't mean that when it comes down to the priority of woke Disney versus your kids, and I'm not going to take the side of your kids because I'm not a moron. If the Republican Party wants to avoid culture war issues, they're going to lose and they should lose. These are 70-30 issues. Honest to God, if Republicans are going to be this out of touch, they deserve to lose. The good news is I don't think that they're uh, quite this out of touch. Meanwhile, the left continues to be out of touch because, again, again they are in their own little bubble. And the fact that the, the Democratic Party continues to take hints from media that is in this bubble and that, and that locks itself in the bubble, it's, it's amazing to me. I don't know why they would. I don't know why they think that that the editorial page of the New York Times is more reflective of, of what Americans think than, for example, you know, actual polls of Americans. But apparently they do. Let me just point out how disconnected the media are from most Americans. Okay, so Taylor Lorenz is now a reporter for The Washington Post. She used to be over at The New York Times. And her entire beat was, as apparently a woman in her 40s, trolling TikTok for teenagers to victimize. This is basically her beat. She's one of the worst reporters in America. She spends all day on social media finding people whose lives she can ruin and then treating herself as though she is uh, is some sort of journalistic hero. And she's Ida B. Wells over here. Anyway, here is a Taylor, so Taylor Lorenz, for all of her targeting people online and attempts to destroy them, she went on MSNBC and she talked about what a victim she is. Because again, for the media, all that matters is the navel gazing. They just stare endlessly into their own belly button. You feel like any little piece of information that gets out on you will be used by the worst people on the internet to destroy your life. And it's so isolating. And terrifying. It's horrifying. I'm so sorry. It's It's overwhelming. It's really hard. Um, um, so she regularly ruins people's lives. Taylor Lorenz. By the way, she's just describing herself. Just describing herself. These people are, but you're the bad people. They're the good people. They get to do it to you. If, if, if it happens to them, it's very, very bad. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want people destroyed on the internet. But here's my standard. If you do it, what goes around comes around. And I feel this way about quote unquote cancellation as well. I am for virtually no one getting canceled unless you're an advocate of cancellation. If you're an advocate of cancellation, then you deserve to go the way of the dodo bird. And when the cancelers come for you, I will not, I will stand by and they can have you. They can have that. Taylor Lorenz complaining about how rough her life is when this is literally how she's made a living for the last several years is perfectly incredible to me. But this is the media. 
This is media. They are so up their own butts. It's unreal. I mean, the Washington Post has an editorial today. It's from their editorial board. Quote, the Hunter Biden story is an opportunity for a reckoning. Quote, there was something grotesquely familiar about last week's revelations about Hunter Biden's business dealings abroad, both in the story's particulars and in the more general saga of sleazy self-dealing into which it fits. The idea that these latest revelations definitively vindicate or villainize any party, except Mr. Biden himself, however, is simply misplaced. For now, what's more compelling than the assorted accusations about the Biden's behavior is this question. Why is confirmation of a story that first surfaced in the fall of 2020 emerging only now? Why? Yet this would be the question. They say, quote, that because it was Rudy Giuliani pushing it, basically, they didn't report on it that much. There is reason in this case for reluctance on the part of publications and platforms. But this context doesn't necessarily exonerate every action of every publication and platform. It makes obvious sense for newspapers to wait to verify information before turning it into a story. I love the standard from the Washington Post. Again, all of these publications ran with the contents of the Steele dossier. Not one element of it had been verified at the time. The lesson learned from 2016 was evidently to err on the side of setting aside questionable material in the heat of a political campaign. The lesson learned from 2020 may well be there's also danger of suppressing accurate and relevant stories, according to the Washington Post. Yeah, you guys did it. You did it. Welcome to the party, pal. Again, these folks are so... It's amazing. Only now, a couple years later, are they allowed to say, yeah, maybe we shouldn't have suppressed stories. Truly well done. And again, this has infused every level of the Democratic Party. The media Democratic hybrid complex, it is just, it was created in Dr. Moreau's lab. There are not two separate entities called the media and the Democratic Party. They are one entity and they just reflect each other. They're, they're, it's, it's like when you go to Macy's and you're standing in the, the that they take you into a dressing room and you've got the mirrors on either side. You got the endless row of you. Okay, that is the media. The media and the Democratic Party, they just bounce back to each other. That's it. Endless rows of the media and the Democratic Party echoing to one another. The best case and the best example of this, Jen Psaki, who's currently the White House press secretary. She, of course, is now about to join MSNBC. Is she leaving her job right away? So that leaked. Okay, it leaked that Jen Psaki is in advanced talks with MSNBC to join the network. She could leave the White House as soon as next month. In the meantime, she's still answering questions from NBC News. That's amazing. So it leaks like a month in advance that she's going to be working for the people who are asking her the questions. And this is considered no problem at all. And it, it continues to be a source of amazement to me. The smoothness of transition between, quote, objective reporting, like George Stephanopoulos is now an objective reporter on ABC News. He was literally a member of the Clinton campaign. That's pretty amazing. As the New York Times reports, it's unusual for a White House press secretary to be linked to a news organization before formally leaving their government post. Yes, that would be kind of weird. Saki apparently at the latest press conference declined to say if she was in talks with MSNBC, saying she had nothing to confirm about my length of public service or planned service or anything about consideration. But Kristen Welker, NBC News' co-chief White House correspondent, pressed her repeatedly, quote, how is it ethical to have these conversations with media outlets while I continue to have a job standing behind that podium? Saki, for her part, said she'd abided by a range of stringent ethical and legal requirements imposed on everybody in this administration. I hope I meet my own bar of treating everyone with fairness and being equitable. And the White House said, quote, Jen is here and working hard every day on behalf of the president to get you the answers to the questions you have. And that's where her focus is. I'm sure she is, but she's only going to answer questions from her friends. Meanwhile, I have to say, it seems like the media, the, the, the media love for Joe Biden. Even they are beginning to say, listen, we can't cover for this guy anymore. He's just a disaster area. So Joe Biden continues to mangle his his job. I mean, every time he goes out there in public, he makes a mistake. So over the weekend, Joe Biden called Michelle Obama, the former vice president of the United States, because everybody he's, he's still running for senator. I mean, he's just he's out of it. And I'm deeply proud 
of the work she's doing as First Lady with Joining Forces Initiative. She started with Michelle Obama when she was Vice President and now carries on. Hmm. That's weird. Apparently, Michelle Obama was Vice President. Oh. Meanwhile, again, the, the media are starting to catch on to the fact that Joe Biden is a very, very bad president. The problem is they have no backup plan. So CNN panel just destroyed Biden over the weekend, which shows you how unpopular he is. When even CNN is like, yeah, man, this guy is just falling apart. It gets very ugly. When inflation is where it's at, when you see gas prices going where, where it's at, we can talk about a jobs report here. We can talk about the latest PCE numbers of the CPI and all of us former Bloomberg reporters can really get into the weeds, right? But there's one number that they can't really change right now, and that is what the placard says at the local gas station. Yeah. And that number is high, and that's a daily jobs report that voters, that Americans, consumers see every day, and there's nothing the White House can do about it. I mean, that is absolutely true. Even George Stephanopoulos, again, who was in the Clinton administration, even he is now asking Ron Klain on national television about Hunter Biden breaking the law. So apparently the dam has now broken on you're allowed to ask about Hunter Biden. Here is Ron Klain, who took five seconds off of Twitter to, to go on this week with George Stephanopoulos. Is the president confident Hunter Biden didn't break the law? Of course the president's confident that his son didn't break the law. Uh, but most importantly, as I said, that's a matter that's going to be decided by the Justice Department, by the legal process. It's something that no one at the White House has involvement in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, we'll see how much more the media are willing to dig. Okay, but here's the bottom line. The media have been the Praetorian Guard for the Democrats for a very long time. Because they're the Praetorian Guard, the Democrats believe they can get away with pretty much anything and lie to you about it. The answer is they cannot. And this is going to become very clear to them in November when they just get their asses kicked. And they are going to deserve every element of it. But I don't think they can reverse this. I really don't. I don't think they can back away from the insane progressivism that they have decided to embrace. They have turned parents into an actual interest group in this country. You can't undo that. Once you threaten people's kids, once you threaten to take people's kids away from them and indoctrinate them, once you suggest that you are a better arbiter of what kids should see and believe than parents are, parents are not going to stand for that sort of thing. So really, try to gaslight us. Try to say that we're the aggressors when we say we wish to defend the innocence of our kids. Try to go that path, truly, and see how it goes for you. Alrighty, we'll be back here later today with an additional hour of content. Coming up soon is the Matt Walsh Show airing 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to check it out over at dailywire.com. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Help spread the word about The Ben Shapiro Show by giving us a five-star review and sharing the show with a friend. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to check out some of our other Daily Wire shows. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our production manager is Pavel Wydowski. Associate producer, Bradford Carrington. Editing is by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant, Jessica Crand. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Today on the Matt Walsh Show, horrific photographic evidence suggests that a prominent abortion clinic in D.C. is killing babies after they're born. But the D.C. government is running cover for the clinic and refusing to investigate. We'll discuss also Elon Musk buys a big stake in Twitter and liberal female journalists cry about being traumatized by mean comments on the Internet. The Daily Wire gets a mention on SNL and Brian Stelter on CNN shocks no one by coming out in defense of child groomers. In our daily cancellation, a conservative pro-life website criticizes me for my Dr. Phil appearance. Why? Well, I read the article and I'm still not sure. We'll talk about that, all of that, and more today on The Matt Walsh Show. Hey, 